so good to be with you today. I read all about your church and what you've done in such a short amount of time, and and uh, I just appreciate the spirit of. I love the name with it. Isn't this a great name for a church? Grace Redeemer. If I was in a black church, they'd say that'll preach. <laughs> and uh, really appreciate Mike and Cherry because they're the ones who introduced us and the opportunity to be here. Happy Mother's Day. Anybody have a mother with you today? That's great. You're glad about it? Okay. I want to give you a little bit of encouragement today. We're not, our culture is not real good at honoring. We're, we're not as skilled at it as I think we should be. Don't just take her out to eat uh, today. That's a good thing to do. Going out to eat is the will of God, okay? <laughs> but uh, bless, bless your mother, bless your wife today, bless, honor Pour it out all week long. Let it be a week of just blessing. And what, what I want to really encourage you to do is, <laughs> I see some of the mothers going, hey, you heard that. You know, the preacher, he just came by to tell you. That's what to do today. And uh, we, but honor, uh, say things, remember things. What a gift she is. Say, the, thank you for this when I was growing up. Thank you. For, I have this memory of what you put in me. Thank you. I stand before you today with a little bit of sadness because three weeks ago, my mother went to be with the Lord. This is my first Mother's Day without my mom. And uh, that's strange. It's just a strange, strange thing. My grandmother led me to the Lord. Anybody here were influenced by a godly grandmother? I tell people all over the world, if your grandmother's praying for you, just give up and get saved. You know what I mean? Just, <laughs> you know, my grandmother led me to the Lord very early in life. I was eight years old, walked down to an altar with her. All I knew is I want what grandma's got, you know, that, and, and I said, Jesus, come into my heart. And I've lived for the Lord. Ever. I don't have a glowing testimony of all I used to be. Uh, I've never, never done drugs. I've never done, I've never been what I've uh, never been delivered from the, I never smoked a cigarette in my, I've never had a beer in my life you know some of you look at me like well hey what's wrong with that I don't know maybe nothing you know you know people say you know can can you smoke and go to heaven you might get there quicker you know hey I don't know <laughs> but, but I know that early on I knew I need Jesus because my grandma said I need Jesus, and she, I remember reading the Bible with her. I led my, my mother to the Lord later in life, but I, I want to dedicate this message today to my mother. Uh, I love her dearly. I miss her so much, and it's so strange to not have her here, to not be able to talk to her, to go to her. She lived in Houston, and I did her funeral, uh, I guess, she went to be with the Lord three weeks ago. We did the funeral two weeks ago, basically. And it's just strange today. Can, I, can you understand what I'm saying? I mean, it's just a strange. Some of you know what I'm talking about, uh, to have lost her. But I know she's with the Lord, and uh, she's rejoicing. She's well. She's healed and rejoicing in heaven with my grandmother. And uh, so it's, but I'm glad to be with you today. I've often said the two most beautiful, most perfect human beings I've ever known is my wife and my mother. And the most, you know, beautiful, perfect people. And, and, and 
Honey, would you just step up here real quick? I want them just to see you. I know people always laugh. People always laugh. You want to say anything? Yeah. Thank you for having us today. It's just so special, such a sweet uh, spirit that's here. Just a great group of people. We can tell that already. We love uh, who you are. So thank you all. Thank you, honey. Thank you. I should have had you get up here and step up. See, we did a we we did a marriage we did a marriage conference in Taiwan last year for leaders in Taiwan. It was one thousand Christian leaders in Taiwan, and whenever she got up, uh, they really laughed because she's more their size, you know. And uh, I mean, my the the gentleman that was doing the as I would talk, you know, he would he would interpret, do the translation. He's a real little guy, and he didn't want to stand beside me. He would he stood way far away, and uh, and I understand that. So glad to be with you here today. I, I want to talk to you about. Casting demons out of people that really bug you. Okay, how many glad you came? <laughs> All right. No, that's not the topic, okay. Uh, this is Mother's Day. Somebody got really excited right then. Oh, right. Who invited this guy? Let's go. All right. The, um, I'm going to read you something, first of all. Mothers, God bless you. I want you to know that sometimes you don't know. I'm just going to read this to you. I don't have a Mother's Day message for you, but I, I, let me put a little bit of Mother's Day in there. I just need to. My mother was a great influence. Though she was never out front, she was never uh, known by a lot of people. The way she loved and the depth of her love touched many, many people. You may be a mother here today wondering, what is your influence in the kingdom of God? What is your influence for God? If I mentioned a name to you today, if I, if this name, if I say, how many of you have heard of Sarah Edwards? A very important person. Uh, some of you would know. I saw two hands, but most of you here, 90% 90, 90 of us probably go, no, I don't, that's nobody important that I know of. You know who I'm talking about, sir. What'd you say? I think you know. I think you know. <laughs> okay, but uh, Jonathan Edwards. How many have heard of Jonathan Edwards? Now everybody knows who Jonathan Edwards is. Great 18th century preacher, man of God. His wife was always behind the scenes. She never wanted to be up front. She never even wanted to be introduced. She didn't. Want, she just was a mother. That's what she wanted to be. That was her calling. She felt like in life was to be a mother. But from her, the way she raised her children, sometimes I try to act like I don't need glasses. I do. I just love this. She, she, was, she was amazing, but she was a mother. From her influence, the way she raised her children, there are 1,400 Edwards descendants. Of her descendants, this is a mother, the influence of a mother. There were 13 college presidents, 65 professors, 100 lawyers and dean of a law school, 30 judges, 66 physicians and dean of a medical school, 80 public office holders, including three mayors, three governors, three United States senators, a comptroller of the United States Treasury and a vice president of the United States. Because Sarah Edwards, was a good mother. So you, you don't know. She didn't know that. You know, she didn't know what her influence was going to be. 
but happy Mother's Day. Would you take just a minute? I know I only have a certain amount of time, and I've already used up half of it, but if you would take just a minute, if your mother is here with you, would you just turn to her and just lay it on? Just tell her how special she is to you. Go ahead. Just tell her. You mean so much to me. Here's why. You're special. I love you. If she's across the room, you're just waving. You got off the hook, brother. Way to go. <laughs> He'll do it later. He'll come to you. He's going to lay it on later. That's great. All right. Today, I would like to talk to you. My topic uh, is the power and the privilege of forgiveness. The power and the privilege of forgiveness. I want to tell you up front, one of the reasons why this is important in my life is my ministry really began because of the power of forgiveness. Do you understand there are certain things that we can participate in, actions that we take that invite the Holy Spirit, the power of God? There are things that we do that bring the presence of God in a relationship, in the room, there are things, and, it, it, and it, it's powerful. One of the scriptures, I think you may have this in your notes somewhere. One of, one of the scriptures, was this, is there like verses of scripture on the screen or something? No, there's not. It's in the book. In, in the bulletin, in the bulletin, okay. In Second Peter 1.3, some of you know this scripture, his divine nature says, has given us everything we need for life and godliness. His divine nature. Then it goes on to, on down to say that we can participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world. Could I ask you just to say the word participate? Friends, we're all, we're either going to participate in the divine nature of Jesus or we're going to participate in evil, one or the other. And to participate in the divine nature is what the things that we do that lift up Jesus. It's the things that we do that honor him, the things that we're participating in the way, uh, in his nature, in the way he goes, would go about life through us. We participate in it. One of the reasons this is important for me, my, I didn't know if I'd be able to be in the ministry. I knew I was called to the ministry at eight years old. And uh, I, I knew, but I had a problem growing up through my teenage years and even into my 20s. I had a very bad speech impediment. I stuttered through everything. I couldn't read a scripture out loud. I was very nervous, very insecure. I, I used to hide in the restroom when my mom and dad would drop us off to go. They didn't go to church with us, but they would sometimes drop us off to go to Sunday school. How many... Does that ring a bell? Do you understand Sunday school? That's an old term, but that, they used to have Sunday school before church. You have Sunday school, God bless you. It's of God, my opinion. All right. Now, the, um, but I would hide in the restroom for the first 15 or 20 minutes because I couldn't read the scripture because they would always take a chapter and they would read a chapter and everybody in the class had to take one verse. And I couldn't get it out. I would stutter it. I couldn't, and they would laugh at me, and the kids would laugh. And so I would wait until that was over before I went in. But I knew I was called to the ministry. I had a problem, even in teenage years. I remember when I graduated from high school, uh, I actually had a date for the graduation banquet that our church had. 
at that time, and I, uh, she asked me, so that's the only reason I had a date, but uh, I, I, I remember s- sitting across from her, and they announced, Jim Tucker is going to be a preacher. And uh, she laughed. The girl that I was with laughed. And she looked at me and said, how are you going to be a minister? You can't even read a scripture. And I thought, she's got a good point, you know. I mean, <laughs> she's got a good point. And uh, I didn't know how, but there was something in my, in, in my heart. Then I went to college, uh, and I was just overwhelmed with, Lord, what am I going to do? I've actually flunked homiletics. If you know what homiletics is, has to do with how you speak. Dr. Moon met with me and he said, Jim, I can't pass you because to pass homiletics, you have to speak. You, it's just, you know, I did good in hermeneutics, but that's, you know, homiletics is a different thing. You've got to speak. And I couldn't. So he said, I can't pass you. I can't because you have to be able to speak. And I said, but sir, you know, I did all the work and I got, I know, but so what was the problem when I was in college, there was a point, see my nervousness, my insecurity, my, the whole thing of stuttering came from my relationship with my dad. My dad was a very good man in so many ways and he loved me but he was he was angry he had emotional issues and I was the oldest and I I got the blunt of his anger maybe you can relate to that I don't know but I and he really he loved me just the way that he just his own issues we go through life like that that other people's issues get projected onto us I never knew when I was going to get knocked across the room over just whatever. I may not even know what I did wrong. So I was very nervous, very insecure. And, and, and one day while I was in college, my dad was really on my mind and it was just all the time. And the Lord began to speak to me about forgiving my dad and releasing him. The word forgive actually means release, to release somebody, let him go, release them. And I I knew the Lord was leading me in this area to forgive him. And one of the key things I want to say up front about forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean you go to the person and say, I forgive you. That can be the worst thing. But to forgive them means to love them like they are forgiven. To love them like they're forgiven. And I knew that what God wanted me to do was love my dad like he was forgiven. I'm in college now. I can't talk. Can't, still can't read a scripture. I could sing, but I couldn't talk. And so, I, I, you know, they would ask me to, you know, do a song in chapel, but I couldn't introduce the song. And I had a problem because I knew I was called, you know, called to the ministry. And the Lord began to deal with me. This was my second year at the university. And I, the Lord said, love your dad, forgive your dad. And it was the beginning of, of this, the depth of this message in me because I, I, I went to a telephone booth that we had there and I called my dad one night. I just called him and I just loved him. And I understand I couldn't get the, that was back when you could make a collect call. Anybody know what that is? Okay. And I, uh, 
I couldn't get the words out. I went in this little tiny telephone booth. To me, all phone booths are small. I mean, they're just. And I, I got in this, this, you know, little little phone booth, and I t- couldn't get the words out to my dad to say this is a. You know, I was stuttered through it. You know, this is a. I couldn't get the. Front, I couldn't get it out. My, my dad figured out what was happening. He said, I'll take the call. He actually didn't say I'll take the call. He said, I'll take the blank call. And so I got on the phone. I said, and I stuttered through it, but I just said, Dad, I called to tell you I love you. And I thank you for the things that you have put in my heart. And I told him, I said, Dad, thank you for teaching me to work hard. And thank you for teaching me to respect authority. I said, Dad, because of that, I get raises all the time. And I explained to him, I said, every job I've ever had, I get promoted so fast. And, Dad, it's because of what you taught me, to work hard, respect authority. And I began to just pour it on and tell my dad what he meant to me. Now, I did not say, I forgive you, but I loved him like he was forgiven. He never asked me to forgive him. He's with the Lord now. I led him to the Lord. And I, something happened that day on that phone call. This is why this is, I think, so powerful in my heart. I loved him. He got quiet. I could tell he was crying, but he wouldn't let me know. He got real quiet on the phone, and I got quiet, and I just said, anyway, Dad, I, that's all I called for is tell you I love you, and thank you for what you've put in my life. And then I hung up, and all I knew was something had happened in, my, in me. So I was lighter. Again, I want to make the point, there's a release of the power of God when we participate in his divine nature. Three weeks later, it was my turn to preach. I was in the harvester choir because I could sing, but I couldn't speak. It was kind of like, what's, what's the country guy who s- sings? Mel Tillis, yeah. He, he sings, and you'd never know there was this people. And I was like that. I, I could sing, but I couldn't, I couldn't even read a scripture. It's my turn to preach. The choir director, his name is Mr. Carlton, and Mr. Carlton said, all the guys in the choir have to preach. We were doing a tour on our, you know, our vans and everything. We're going to the Rocky Mountain area, and we were going to be in a lot of churches. And my place was Cortez, Colorado, a little church of about 200 people that I was going to be speaking. And he wouldn't let me out of it. He said, Jim, no, you have to speak. And I said, sir, I can't. You know, I even flunked homiletics. I can't speak. I can't do it. Now, he said, no, I really, I really believe God has spoken to me that you're supposed to preach. And I said, sir, that's not God. That's the devil. <laughs> and, I, uh, I, and I worked on a message. Can I be honest with you? I stole it from Billy Graham. I really did. <laughs> Bill, Billy Graham had, a, he had an album out way back then, an album that's, anybody know, that's, it's a big round thing. It has a hole in the middle. You know, it's, it's, it's a record. Anyway, he had a record out, and it was a message on Samson. And I played that over and over and over again. I was so nervous, and, you know, and I, I took that message. I improved it a little bit. No, I'm kidding. And I... I uh, <laughs> 
I took that message, and there I was that in Cortez, Colorado. Added, I thought, well, if I can't il- if I can't speak the words, I'll just illustrate it. I'll do something. And I got up there for the first time in my life, my life. You understand? I'd never given an oral report in school. I'd never given a speech. I couldn't do it. I'd never read a scripture out loud. And for the first time in my life, the words came out in that little church in Cortez, Colorado. The choir was shocked. I was shocked. The choir director was shocked. i never forget this one guy. Sorry, he's sitting right about where you're sitting right there. His name's Jerry. Jerry was in the choir. And Jerry, Jerry, he was sitting right on the end. And while I'm speaking, Jerry's looking at me, and he's going, Jim, you're talking. (laughs) And I'm thinking, yeah, I know. This is a miracle here. And when it was over, you know, people gave their life to the Lord. It was amazing. And I ran out, and I laid laid in the van that we had. We had these two big vans that we toured in. And I cried out to God, and I said, Lord, you healed my mouth. You healed, you, you healed my spirit. I can talk. You did call me. I can do this. You called me. Thank you. And the Lord spoke to me, so I didn't heal your mouth. I healed your heart. And my mind went back to the phone booth with my dad. There was a release that day. I didn't know what had happened. But the source of my stuttering was the fear in my life that came from my dad. And God released me that day. He healed me. Something happened. There's a power in it to participate in his divine nature. We are God's workmanship. In Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. This, you say, well, how do we forgive? Maybe right now you have somebody in your mind that it's hard to forgive. I recently had to deal with this, and one of the reasons why this is on my mind, there's a billboard in Dallas that the picture on this billboard is somebody that slandered me years ago that caused enormous amount of damage That means my time's up. Thank you for coming. God bless you. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay, thank you. Don't, don't feel Where, Whoever's phone that was, don't, don't move. Don't act like it. Was, you're so sweet. You're just smiling. Yeah, it was mine. I'm okay. You know. Thank you. Hey, it happened to me one time, and it was my phone. I was speaking, you know, and it's my phone, so I don't feel bad. Um, the, um, this, I was driving by this. I have to pass it. At least two times a week, I have to pass this billboard. And the, the picture on this billboard looks exactly like somebody that caused enormous. Okay, now the second time. Now you're pushing it. Okay, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, the, uh, it just was just a whole lot of pain that this individual caused. Have you ever heard a song or seen something that reminded you of somebody that hurt you? Something. It could even be a worship song. And I, and I asked the Lord at that time, I said, Lord, why am I okay? Why can I see that picture and I'm okay? Why does it not hurt? Why does it not bother me? And the Lord 
clearly spoke to me because you've prayed for them all of these years. You have blessed them all of these years. You've blessed them. Blessed them. See, Jesus said, Luke 6, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who misuse you. Why? Largely for us. So the flow of healing can come from God. A lot of people spend their whole life wanting people to heal them. And the people can't. You know, Jesus said, turn the other cheek. All right, this is, this is not deep theological. You know, I don't even know. I think one application of turn, we often wonder, what does that mean? Does that mean just let everybody beat me up? No. But what I think, it, the one application of that, I think turning the other cheek means to lead in life with the unhurt side. Here's what I mean by that. Most of the world, let me illustrate it in this way. Most people go around going, look, everybody, I've been hurt. See my cheek? It's still red. I have a right to be bitter. I have a right to be angry. I have a right to have a chip on my shoulder. Don't tell me not to. I have a right to. How many understand that? Are you with me? Everybody get that? I have a right to this. Jesus said, no, turn the other cheek and lead in life with the unhurt side. Let me heal this up. Stop going around demanding your right to be right, your right to be healed, your right to be fixed. Let me do it. Let me do it. Now, the, the, joy, the joy of giving the hurt to the Lord, of just surrendering it to him, it's just so powerful. Lord, I just give you this. When I saw that billboard, I said, Lord, thank you for healing me. Now, I'm going to get into, into some misconceptions about forgiveness, but I want to understand, how do we do it? How do we forgive? This is the scripture. In the book of Colossians 2.13, when you were dead in your sin and the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. He forgave us how many? All of our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. Then in, in Colossians 3, 12, the whole thing, you know, 12 through 14, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive how? As the Lord forgave you. That's how we forgive. We forgive as the Lord forgave you. Over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds it all together. Binds them all together. We forgive like God has forgiven us. You know the story. Most of you here probably know because I know you've had great teachers here. Uh, I think most of you know the story of Matthew 18 of the man who owed in, you know, today's money. I mean, I think it was some people calculate $16 million, you know. I mean, it's just like a huge amount of money, and his debt was forgiven, but somebody owed him like $16. And he, and he, and he, and he you know, threw him in 
prison and everything to pay that money back. That's what it's like with us. I've been forgiven so much. How could I possibly hold anything against anybody? I've been cleansed. What was written against me has been canceled. And so when I forgive, I'm inviting that divine nature of Jesus to operate in my life. I'm inviting his power. Now let me talk about a few misconceptions about forgiveness, okay? Some of you got real quiet there like uh, you know, somebody came to your mind. Don't point right now. Like, yeah, yeah, this. All right. But forgiveness, a lot of times th these are things that we misunderstand about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Some people think I have to wait. To, I'm sorry, I get hot easy. I sweat a lot. They used to call it anointing. <laughs> It's not. For, forgiveness is not a feeling. Sometimes we think, well, but I don't feel like it. It has nothing to do with feeling. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. You don't do it to feel it. I mean, you don't feel it to do it. You do it so you will feel it. You make a choice. How many know God's love is a choice? It's a choice. When you read the love chapter in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13, there's not a word in there about feeling. There's not a thing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Like suffering, gentle, you know, those things. No. There's not one word about emotion. It's decision. We decide to love God's way. We make a decision to love like that. And when we, when we think, I've got to feel it first, you're going to be waiting. How many know there's some people that if you waited till you felt like loving them to love them, you're not going to love them. I saw some of you look around like, yeah. No. It's not like it's not about feeling. It's about a choice that we make. It's not a feeling. No, number two thing I want you to understand is forgiveness is not forgetting. Have you ever heard the line forgive and forget? Can I tell you it's not scriptural? It's not a biblical concept. And you say, no, but what about the scripture where you know, God says he forgets our sin. What that scripture actually says is God remembers our sin against us no more. Do you really think God can't remember our sin? I guess he could choose to. He's God. But then again, he's God. So often we think, well, if I c listen, if you could forget it, there would be nothing to forgive. The weight that people carry sometimes trying to forget something, say, well, I've forgiven them, but why can't I forget it? If you could forget it, there wouldn't be anything to forgive. But what God can do is he can heal the pain. For I still remember things that my dad did. I still remember things but there's no pain associated with it. The picture on that billboard, I remember what they did. It cost us, it, it was a legal battle, it cost us everything. We lost our house, car, every dime we had, everything because of this slander. It was all about money, they just wanted money. We, we lost everything. Why is there no pain? Did I forget it? Did my wife forget it? No, we remember but there's no pain associated with the memory. 
Forgiveness is not forgetting. It's releasing it. It's letting God heal it. Number three thing to understand about, about forgiveness is that it, when you forgive somebody, it doesn't mean that you diminish the severity of the offense. It doesn't mean it's not bad anymore. A lot of times people think, well, if I forgive, then that, that means it wasn't that bad. No, it might have been horrible. And God knows it's horrible. He cares about that. But it just simply means that you're, you're releasing it. It doesn't mean it wasn't bad, but you're giving it to him. He is the one that takes care of it. One time, this is a scripture that I think is really important. That How many know we, we live in a society that is all about getting back, right? You do me wrong, I'm going to do you wrong. Don't mess with me. That's just how it is. Understand that forgiveness is spiritual warfare. And again, you're going to participate in one nature or the other, God's or the enemy. Listen, demons hate forgiveness because they can never have it. You understand that? They'll never experience forgiveness. The, re the redeemed, we who are redeemed, we know the joy of forgiveness. Demons will never have forgiveness, and they hate it, and they don't want us to participate in it because they can never have it. They don't want us giving it away. They don't want us receiving it. Demons, the devil will never have forgiveness. The fa their fate is doomed. It's over for them. How many know Jesus defeated Satan, death, hell, and the grave? He defeated. Satan is a defeated foe. He'll never have forgiveness. And demons hate it. And when we... One of the things that people need to understand about unforgiveness is when there's strife, James chapter 3 says, wherever there is strife, there is every kind of evil. If you've ever been in a home where there's a lot of strife, there's other kinds of evil. When there's strife, in a real, it just invites evil. And so what we want to do is walk in the forgiveness to turn the other cheek, live our life in love where we can release people and forgive people and walk in that kind of love that God wants us to walk in and release people. It's spiritual warfare. Forgiveness is an aspect of spiritual warfare. The scripture says, do not repay, you know this scripture, 1 Peter 3, 9, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing that you would, in, because to this you were called, that you would inherit a blessing. Isn't that powerful? Don't repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but repay with blessing, is what Jesus said in, in, in Luke 6. Repay with blessing. Bless those who curse you. And he said to do that, why? So you would inherit a blessing. Years ago, I bought a boat. I bought a little fourteen When our kids were little, I bought this boat. I, I just I like to be on the water. I wanted I wanted our kids to experience what it was like to be in a boat, and they were young. I for, the oldest was probably six, I guess, or somewhere in there. They were like six, four, and three, something like that. And so I got I got a a John boat, a little fourteen foot John boat. I know what you're all thinking. That was dumb. <laughs> I don't even fit in a 14-foot John boat, you know, and, uh, and, and it was. And so I took our kids out on this lake. It had this little tiny outboard motor. I think it might have been eight horsepower or something like that. 
and uh, on this lake, and and it, and it was exactly what you think. The boat was like this in the water, you know. It was just, it was, it was dumb. So I had to sell the boat, uh, and I, t I took the boat to a, con I, t I took the boat to a place that, you know, it was a what do you call it, a consignment. And so this guy took the boat, he sold the boat for seven hundred and fifty dollars, and wouldn't give me the money. He sold it, and. A week goes by, no money, two weeks, three weeks. Called him every week. Finally, three months goes by, no money. I was getting more and more frustrated, more angry all the time. Okay. Don't look at me so spiritual. How many of you would have been angry? Okay, where'd you? Okay. I mean, it just really got me. And that part of me welled up within me that said, you know, you know, we quote scriptures like, I'm the head, I'm not the tail. Glory to God. This shouldn't happen to me. God, I just, I thank you that I'm going to get my money and I ask you, Lord, to go before me and make my path straight and get me that money. I called the guy one day on the phone for the, how many times I call him, and, and I was around an aunt that heard my anger when I was talking to this guy. And I was embarrassed when I hung up the phone that she heard the way I was. I'm not saying I used curse words. I didn't. I thought about it. But I didn't use any curse words. But I let him know that I was upset and I want my money. I mean, I, you know, trying to do the power play thing. And I hung up the phone and then I went in the bedroom where I was and I knelt because I, was so, I felt so bad about what was in me, the anger that was in me. And I knelt by the bed and I said, Lord, help me. I don't like this. This is ugly. I want my money back. I want my money, Lord, but I don't like what I see in me. And as I began to pray about that, the Lord spoke to me and said, give him the boat. Act like it was his boat to sell, and I want you to go to him and tell him that you're giving him the money. And I thought, Lord, that's not you. How many ever had experience like that where God told you to do something? Would you raise your hand if you're with me at all right now? Anybody had God speak to you and you thought, hmm, can't be God because it gets in the way of your flesh too much. And I, so I did. I called him. I told him I was coming. And uh, I went there. His, his, you know, where all the birds, you know, boats were, his office was down a long gravel road and you had to you, you, you had to walk down the road to get to where the office was. And so I drove up there, parked the cars, walking down the road, and he came out down this road with two guys with him. I think he thought this is gonna be a fight. And so I got up to him and I knew what I knew the Holy Spirit was saying, forgive this debt, let it go, love him, give him the money. And as I'm walking down there, this compassion came over me out of obedience to participate in the divine nature of Jesus. This compassion came over me for this guy. I got up to him, reached out my hand, and I, I said, what I came by to tell you is I want you to have that money. God wants you to have that $750. You don't owe me anything. I want you to just know that 
Act like it was your boat. You sold it. It's your money. And he got real quiet. The guys with him got real quiet. And quite honestly, for a minute, I didn't know what to say either. And I'm thinking, Lord, you better give me something because I'm feeling kind of dumb right here. And I, uh, and then so I just started talking to him. And I said, so what, uh, you know, how's your business going? And he just opened up and he said, I don't understand what just happened here. Nothing like this has ever happened to me. And I said, well, I understand. But God, all I could say was, this is kind of my line. It's been my line ever since, that just because God loves you. You know, sometimes I'll leave a big tip, you know, at a restaurant. And, I, and they went, wow, this is huge. Why? Just because God loves you, that's all. God loves you. That's why he wants to bless you. That's God's heart. Participate in his divine nature. So then I just listened to him for a minute. And he said, my business is terrible. I'm losing money constantly. My wife left me. Of course, I'm thinking, well, you know. He had been such a jerk to me on the telephone. I thought, well, you know. Um, I, I didn't say that. I just thought it, which was very fleshy. I know, very. But I, I just, uh, I just loved him. I said, well, I want you to know this is the beginning of something. Talk to him about the Lord. He let me pray with him. And uh, all I knew is I left there, and I didn't have my $750, but there was a joy in my heart because I had participated in the divine nature of Jesus. Then, two years later, a man that I knew called me that I had been out on his boat. This guy, just he, he loved to go out. That was down in Galveston, and he had a boat. He was in, uh, and I went out with him a couple of times. This, is, this, this guy was a radical fisherman and boater. He, he would command fish to get on his, I mean, he really would. He'd go out fishing and say, Jim, watch this. In the name of Jesus, fish, I command you to bite. And I'm going, I don't know about that. You know, I understand dominion and, you know, I can teach on that. But we're going a little far here, Marty. And, uh, but he did, and he caught fish. I don't know. It, you know, I guess I didn't. It didn't work for me because I guess I didn't believe it, so it didn't work. But, um, but one day he called me and he said, Jim, I want you to. Uh, you know, I want to have lunch with you, and I have something I just really need to talk to you about. It's very important. And of course, he said, I want to have lunch. And of course, you know, having lunch is, and he said, I'll buy, which then I, that's God, you know. That's, and, uh, and, we were, and we were going to have Mexican food. I mean, no, that's really, I think at the marriage supper of the Lamb, we're probably going to have Mexican food. I just, uh, I just think so. I can't back that up scripturally, but I think so. But I, uh, I'm sitting there with him eating at this restaurant, and he said, I want to, he said, I want to give you something, Jim. He said, the Lord has been speaking to me about this. I want to give you my boat. And I said, give me your boat? You mean the boat we've been on? You understand, this was an 18-foot boat with a, a, a 150 horsepower mercury. It had a steering wheel and a trailer. You know, boat, motor, trailer. This is a real boat. And he said, yeah, I, I want to give you my boat. The Lord has been speaking to me for a while to give you my boat. And I said, Marty, what, what do you mean for a while? And he said, well, about two years ago, the Lord spoke to me that I'm going to give you my boat. And I just thought, Lord, really? Because it had been two years 
since I gave the guy that money. You see, this is the way God works. When we participate in his divine nature, he tells us that to live this way so that we would inherit, don't repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing that we would inherit a blessing. God blessed me. Most of you here know the scripture. God says, vengeance is mine. What's he say? Everybody, I will repay, says the Lord. Now, I haven't dug real deep on this, but I think that means more than just God will get them. I think it means God will repay you what they took. Let God repay. St quit trying to live your life extracting from people what was taken from you by people. Let God heal it. Let God repay. Let him do it. That boat that day, now I had it for a while. I gave that boat away. I got another one, and then I sold that boat, and we moved here away from the Galveston area. And I, and, uh, but it's, it's been, and that kind of thing just continues to happen. I can't tell you how many times we've had bad service at a restaurant. A good a man that I know very well, his, his name is Dr. Jim Mackey. He asked me recently, he knows my life and the conviction I have about this. And he, he said, what do you do when you have bad service? You don't leave a big tip when you have bad service, do you? And I said, well, yes, I do, Dr. Mackey. I, I give more because I figured there's a reason why they have a bad attitude and I want to bless them. And I'll leave a little note sometimes. I know some of you look at me like, Jim, you've gone too far. I don't know who invited you here today. But, you know, but I mean to bless those that curse you. One time we were in New York ministering at a, at a, a church, great church in, in New York on Long Island, and some people had come there to hear me speak, went out with them afterwards. And, and the way, if you've ever been to New York, you know, you know, some of the stuff you hear about New York people is true. They're tough. We went to this diner, as they call it, a diner afterwards, and this, the waitress was mean, mean. She had a spirit of mean, okay, if you want to say that. She just was, she just mean. I mean, she actually came to our table and said, what do you want? I mean, really? And I thought, new waitress would be great, you know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, it was terrible. She was mean the whole time. When she brought our meal, you know, it's just it was terrible attitude, everything. She dropped the plates on the table. It was like she would hold them like a couple inches from the table and drop them. Just, she was just mean. And, of course, my mind went, because I have, I have the conviction, bless those who curse you. Pray for those that are misusing. And so I said, Lord, what do you want me to do here? So I was nice to her, and then I left her this huge tip. I mean, huge. It was this, like a, I, at that time I had books with me at the church where I just was, and a lot of people had bought books. And, I, and I, so I had, I had a lot of cash, and I left her a hundred and something dollars and a little note. It was like way, just huge tip. And this lady, this mean waitress, I call her the demon-possessed waitress, yeah. as everybody's leaving, she caught me going out the door. It was one of those uh, restaurants that has a door, then another door, and there's a little middle area there. She caught me there, and there was only room for both of us. She caught me in this little doorway, and she said, sir, I don't understand what you just did, but my life is horrible. And I don't understand why 
what you just did, but I can't tell you what that means to me. And she told me her life, the child that she had that she didn't know if she could take care of and how men had been so mean to her and just so many things about her life, all in a period of you know maybe six minutes, six or seven minutes. And she just pours out and just tears just flowing. And I said the same thing then that I say all the time. Well, I gave you that just because God loves you. He just loves you. Can I pray for you? And I did. It made a bigger impact on me than her. But God has called us to that kind of, in other words, what I, it's what I call living in forgiveness. Just living in that realm of quickly forgiving where you just refuse to get offended. Can you say it with me? I refuse to be offended. See, we can choose that. I just refuse. I'm not going to live offended. I was going through a drive-thru the, the other day, a Chinese, China, I won't tell you the name of the place, but since there's only one Chinese drive-thru, you probably know what it is, but have you, have you, ever, have you ever gotten a little twerp on the speaker, just this little, this girl, just, you know, she, she like had a job and thought she was all that, you know, and so I, I just wanted, I just wanted the, this hot chicken. That's all. I didn't want the rice and the, the egg roll and the whole thing. And, and, and I said, could I just have this one chicken in a bowl? That's all. Just a chicken by itself. And she said, sir, do you want number one, number two, or number three? And I said, well, I really don't want in any of those because I don't want the rice and the egg roll and all that. I just want the chicken. But could you just give me a bowl of that chicken? Sir, we don't have bowls. We only have plates. And, you, and she said it again, you have to say one, two, or three. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, I know you probably grew up getting a trophy for participating. And you feel real good about yourself right now that, you know, you know, you're feeling very confident in your little tiny world of number one, two, and three. But then I heard my own message coming back to me, live in forgiveness. And I just forgave. And I said, Okay, number one, just let it go. How many know you don't have to win all the time? Are you with me? Some of you, some of you were with me until I said that. Then you're like, no, Jim, go, go with the drive-through thing, Jim. Go with that. Well, what I'm saying is to live in forgiveness is I, I forgive this girl. Just let it go. I'm not gonna, I refuse to be offended. I'm not going to. And I got to the window, ordered my number one, and she had to explain it again. She had to say, sir, we, I'm, uh, we have number one and number two and number three. And, that's, and I'm thinking, okay, thank you. Thank you. And, and I'm thinking, you know, if you could just expand your horizons just a little bit, you know. But to just drive on, take the egg roll and the dumb rice, you know. Just take it and go on, you know. And the, living above a fence, turn the other cheek. Don't live like that where you have to win. In the kingdom of God, we, we're not majoring on winning. We major on giving, to forgive. I need to close. I'm looking for a clock. What is that? That's got a glare on. What time am I through? Am I through now? Is my time up? I'm through. Thank you for coming. God bless you. I want to just wrap it up with it. Is this important, what we're talking about today? Folks, the, the, the healing that can happen when we just choose to walk in forgiveness. You just choose. The last thing I want you to understand that's a misconception about forgiveness is forgiveness doesn't mean there's reconciliation. 
Here does it mean that. Can. Forgiveness is the beginning of reconciliation, but it's not reconciliation. Why? Because forgiveness only takes one person. Reconciliation takes two. There has to be a time sometime that you got to talk. You know, I had one lady one, one time say to me, but I think I have forgiven my dad, but I don't want him coming to my house. And I said, why? And she said, well, I, I, I think, aren't you supposed to forgive and forget? She said, I feel like I've forgiven him, but I don't want, I don't want him. My, he said, and she explained that her dad had sexually molested her and, and she had, they had relationship, but she didn't want the dad to be around her children. Now, he had never owned it. He had never said anything. He had never, you know, tried to heal anything. But how many understand she was not wrong and she was just being wise. Some people think, well, aren't you supposed to trust everybody after you're forgiven? Look, there's some people you can't trust. If you trusted everybody, you'd have to go against much of the book of Proverbs. Some people you can't trust because they're not trustworthy. And because you forgive somebody doesn't mean you can always trust them. I have relationships where I've forgiven the person, but I don't have a close relationship with them because I can't trust them. So don't think that. I hope that's helpful to you. This, I told her, no. I said, you don't, you don't have to invite him over to hang out with your children, but you can forgive him. You can release him to the Lord and forgive him and let God heal your broken heart in that. I don't know what the billboard might be in your life, but there are some people in our lives that need to be released. There are some people that need to be they need to have somebody say to them and treat them like they are forgiven. Just like you don't have to say I for, that might be the wrong thing to say is I forgive you because then you're projecting something onto them. But to forgive them and just love them like they are forgiven. Just let it go. Participate in the divine nature and watch what God does in them. I work with an inner city ministry called Reconciliation. I close with this. Are you still with me? Okay, can I, do I do I have three minutes? I really don't know what time I'm. Somebody told me, but I forgot. What time am I through, Mike? In three minutes. There's a who said that? Jim, you said that. Thank you, Jim, for that straightening me out. Jim's thinking, is this guy going to shut up or what? A hole is going to open up up here in a minute, and I'm gone. But the um. There's a young man at this ministry that I reached out to. His name is Michael, and Michael was a drug addict. This is a, a drug and alcohol rehab ministry, and I've, for, for a while I was the director there. I still go there and do con consulting and leadership you know, stuff and teach a lot. But Michael had been on drugs for so long, in and out of different, I mean, just his life was a mess. And the Lord really put him on my heart to really reach out to him and love him. And uh, so I just began to love him, just, just pouring into Michael. I saw in him something. I saw he could be what he could be in God. And so he, he went through the program. I would take Michael out to eat. There's a place on the other side of the interstate. You, you probably know there's a 
where the ministry is is uh, on the on the east side of Dallas, and you go ten minutes the other way, and you have the Crescent, which is super wealth. I would take Michael to eat at the Crescent. I should not to eat to get coffee because I couldn't afford to eat there, but I tell him to get coffee and. Occasionally, we'd get something to eat and take it over and eat the hamburger at Starbucks at the Crescent. Uh, that's uh, cheating, I know, but but it made him feel like he was wealthy. It made him feel valuable. We'd go over there and sit and just talk, and he didn't understand. One time, he got angry with me, and 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 uh, I said, Michael, I'm coming to pick you up. Are you ready? Let's let's go to lunch. And when I got there, he said, what do you want from me? Because he had never been loved with no other motive in mind. I said, Michael, I don't want anything. I just believe in you. I believe in you. I know God's hand is on you. He said, do you know all the stuff that I've done? You know me. You know. I said, yeah, I know. But God has forgiven you, and I forgive you. And it's over. That, according to Colossians 2, has been canceled. Jesus canceled it on the cross. Everything written against you, it's over. And I love you, and I believe in you as a man of God. He graduated, Michael graduated, and then he got out. I got him a job at a company that I, I knew the owner of the company, and I put my reputation on the line to hire Michael. If you work with drug addicts and people that have... Most of the people that we work with have been locked up. They come to us out of prison. It's very hard for them to get jobs afterwards. So I just, I put it on the line and I said, I'll, I'll vouch for Michael. I got him the job. Michael relapsed. Lost that job. He stole from the, he broke in the warehouse. When he relapsed, he broke in the warehouse late one night and stole a bunch of valuable stuff to have the money to get the drugs. I didn't know where he was. I lost track of him for a year and a half. And one day just through a, you know, I'd been asking the Lord to help me to help me to find out where he is. And one day just out of nowhere, somebody mentioned his name. And I said, do you know where Michael is? And I said, yeah, he's, he's in prison. And uh, I said, really? So I called where he was and got a hold of the chaplain and I told him where I was and I said, can I, can I come and see Michael? I did. I went to see him and I, I, mean, I hadn't seen him in a year and a half. I went to see him and if you've been to visit somebody like that, you know what it's like. You know, a little you know, telephone on the wall and I picked it up and I put my hand on the glass and I'm talking to him with the other hand and he put his hand up there and I had to the phone and I said, Michael, I love you. I believe in you. And he started crying. And he said, he said, Jim, no, you can't. You can't. He said, do you know what I did? And I said, yes, Michael. It's on camera. The owner of the company, you're on video. I saw the video of you breaking in and stealing all the stuff. And he said, you know, and you're here? I said, yeah, I love you. And you're forgiven. And he just began to weep. And I realized, 
one more time I get to participate in the divine nature of Jesus. When Michael got out of prison, I was, I, went to, I was the only one that came to visit him. He had burned every bridge with every family member, wife, kids. He burned every bridge. No one came to visit. I'm the only one that visited him. When he got out, I was there. And he went through the program all over again. And he graduated. And he left. He went to California. I talked to him at the holiday time. I think it was, it was a few months ago. And I never forget his words. I said, Michael, how you doing? He went to California. He got his drug counselor license. And he's working in a ministry there. And I'll never forget his words. He said, Jim, I'm just doing with these men what you did with me. Now, thank you, Lord. Sometimes people need to have somebody represent Jesus and just love them like they are forgiven. And then what happens is God heals us in the process. Who's the billboard for you? Is there a billboard? Is there somebody that comes to mind? With me, it was my dad. When I forgave my dad, God healed me. And I've tried to walk in that. Who's on your billboard? Is there somebody? Maybe there's not. Maybe there's nobody. Maybe this doesn't apply. God cares. Understand, God cares about the pain that was created. He cares about it. He loves you. God doesn't say it's nothing. He doesn't say forgive and forget. Forget that. That's not scriptural. What he does say is give it to me. Let me heal you. I love you. And maybe there's somebody. There's a whole other message here to say sometimes you need to ask for forgiveness. There are people that could have healing today if, if somebody in their life would say, would you forgive me? I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I know I hurt you. Please forgive me. And don't ever say to somebody, if I offended you, I'm sorry. Don't say that because you're not giving anything. Given it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. But to forgive, to walk in that power and that peace. Forgive how? The same way God has forgiven us. I just want to pray for you today uh, before I know that something else is about to happen here. But could I, okay, okay let me just ask you this. How many have received s something you can use in your life today? Would you raise your hand? You receive it? I want, I want to, I don't know who it is for you, but could I just pray? Would you bow your heads for just a minute? And if you're here today, and maybe you're like me, maybe there's, there's something that creates enormous, I don't know what the billboard would be for you. Maybe somebody that really did you wrong, and God wants to heal you. That's why he says forgive so he can heal you. And if you're here today and you say, Jim, I, I need prayer. I struggle in this area with somebody. I need God to help me. And somebody I need to forgive. There may be somebody you need to ask to forgive you. Would you lift your hand right now if you say, pray for me? I need this. God bless you, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Anybody else? Just real quick. You say, pray for me. Include me in this. Yes, sir. God bless you. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for your honesty today. Now, Lord, for each one of these that lifted their hand, I pray now by the power of your Holy Spirit as they choose 
to forgive, that you will empower them. And Lord, for those that lifted their hand to say, I need to ask someone to forgive me. God, I thank you for an infusion of humility that allows them to just own their stuff and give. And I thank you for the healing that you're doing today by the power of your Holy Spirit. And Jesus, we all today choose to participate in your divine nature and forgive and release people. And it may just simply be saying, just because God loves you, I love you. And I bless you because God blesses you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you for the chance to be with you.